Okay, welcome Ali to No Excuses Real Inspiration with Scott Marshall. So for the viewers that don't know you, could you give a wee intro of who you are and what you do? Hi, I'm an ex-professional football player, um, probably over 20 years professional, um, starting way back in the early 80s with Clyde Bank, working my way and being fortunate enough to play in the Premier League with them. Only a few games before um, ending up in the lower leagues and fighting my way back to the top again. So from going to that, thinking you've made it to the depths of the, the second division in Scottish football and then getting transfers with various teams back up to the top again. Um, so it's a 20 year, 22 years, I must say, exciting journey. Fantastic, Ali. So we're here to learn about your fitness journey throughout, you know, the years. So we're going to go way back to your school years. So yep. what sort of sport were you involved in and activities? Well, don't forget again, we're going back to um, the 1980s, kind of 79, 80s, where it was fitness probably wasn't as important um, although we, we were kind of at the forefront of some things, you know, the athletics and things, I think we were quite good at all that stuff. So I was a, I was more of a kind of sprinter, believe it or not. I know a lot of people wouldn't believe that. than the long distance stuff, you know, being six feet three, maybe not at the time, but being tall. And I always found myself um, maybe last in the long distance runs. You know, I wasn't great at it. And I don't know whether that was maybe something to do with just a mindset. Yeah. Um, because when it came to professional football and breaking through, um, you know, I had to do it. It's as simple as that, although I was still last. But, you know, being I was up at Aberdeen at 13 years of age. Um, group of guys, a scout called Bobby Calder took us up there. And every school holiday, we would go up to Aberdeen. In fact, I was up there yesterday. We were up at Cove watching Cove this weekend. Right. Um, so it brought back some memories of how uh, grey the place is. But... Apart from that, and then playing with St Mirren Boys Club, that was kind of my fitness journey through school, playing football. Um, always was from living in Glasgow when I was a kid. Yeah, I played for football teams all the way from... I played my very first game for the school at eight years of age, and that was Rosemount Primary in Glasgow, and we played St Rocks, and we got a, a pasting, I may say, but... Um, I played right back, believe it or not. I was a bit smaller than everybody else then. And from then on, I fell in love with football. Um, probably because of guys like George Best and my hero, Kennedy Gleeson. So um, they, were the, they were the guys that, that made me want to be a, a football player. Nah, fantastic. So did you have any challenges growing up? I did in Glasgow, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, but it's, I lived right in the, the kind of middle of just just a, a kind of Catholic area, if you like to say, and I was a Protestant growing up in that area, and, right. but it was the best upbringing ever. Um, you know, I went to, as I said, Rosemount Premier, I went to church there, I joined the BB, and it wasn't a good idea sometimes walking up Proven Mill Road with a BB hat on, <laughs> I have to add. But um, it, was, it was a fantastic uh, learning curve for me. When I moved up to East Kilbride, where I live now, my dad still took me into Glasgow to play for the same football teams. So that was pretty challenging and when you get fed up with that, somebody asked you to play in East Kilbride and I actually started playing for boys clubs here and that's where St Mirren picking up um, a few years later. So, um, no, the, the football's at the forefront of everything then. That was that was me. I won't, always wanted to be a football player 
And of course, you know, everybody takes some knocks along the way, but yeah. that was always what I wanted to do. Yeah, and then for yourself, Ali, obviously growing up, football was everything to you, but now, what does fitness mean to you personally? Fitness has changed, Scott, I mean, incredibly, as you know. I mean, even playing some charity football games now where you go into the dressing rooms, maybe Starks Park or, or, or Airdrie or wherever you're playing charity games and you see the, the stuff that the players have got, the, the urine tests and things for them, we didn't have in like that. Nobody, right. I, mean, I always remember the first probably time in my career, that I'm, I'm going now, I'm jumping forward to, to Wraith Rovers after leaving Motherwell, where there wasn't much of a, I always remember speaking to some senior guys, older me, senior pros would tell me, because you're training all the time, just get eat eat what you want, and that was that was the fitness. That was us, because I, I felt really fit and probably at Motherwell, because I was playing with the first team, not a lot the reserves and any games. I was playing a lot of football. I probably lost too much weight. I wasn't after leaving Air United. I kind of found my my strength, and coming up against guys from Motherwell, big. Centre backs then they're not like the centre backs now. They were they, they were allowed to tackle you then, Scott. You know, <laughs> take a few dunts. It doesn't seem to be the way now, no, but um, absolutely. But I was getting brushed off the ball quite a lot. But when I moved to Wraith Rovers a year later, um, the training was different. Jimmy Nicol had this <clears throat> more football five sides. Of course, if we won on a Saturday, we get the Monday off. Tuesday was a a fitness day. Right. Now we get the Wednesday off and then Thursday, Friday was just all ball work yeah. all the time. And I felt fitter for that. Um, and I get stronger and put on maybe a few more pounds. No, but the fine. thing that, that changed it for me was because we were travelling from Glasgow, we had a car that travelled through there. The Martin Harvey was the assistant manager, the Irishman, and his wife used to make the food. So we all ate together there. And that's the first club that I'd been at where we sat after training and ate. And it was, uh, it was a it was stovies, it could have been pasta, it could have been, it was brilliant, it was really good. And what that what that done for us as well, Scott, which is very important, was we spent time together. At any other club, we just used to leave after training and go our separate ways and go to whatever we're doing. You know, some guys went to Glasgow, I come up East Kilbride, some guys were from here, we didn't see each other. Yeah. But, but at Wraith, we had a good togetherness um, and... The physiotherapist at the time was Jerry Docker. He's at Dundee now. He was the first guy to introduce the kind of, for me and for our, our team, he started the basic kind of plyometric stuff that you probably know all about. Yeah. But in the days, it was just the tyres. It was running through tyres. It was a weight on your back. It was maybe sprinting with the, the parachute and things on the back of you. It was going over the hurdles. It was all that kind of stuff that kind of, we were, we were like that, what's this, you know? And it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Because it wasn't too, um, it was hard, but it wasn't like you were running around Beveridge Park or Strathclyde Park and, you know, and it was going to take you 24, 25 minutes in a slog. It was interesting. So that was the first time, really, that um, that was kind of introduced to us. And it certainly worked, as you said in the intro, um, or you said to me off um, air, it was, we, we won. Don't get me wrong, we up not there, we get relegated from the Premier League. But then getting to know each other with young players at the time coming through, that experience 
in the championship or the first division it was at the time allowed us to go on and win that plus as well we managed to, to win the the league cup so there was a total togetherness in that in that uh, squad so for yourself <clears throat> how how would you say your fitness routine is now compared to when you were training you know back then well as you get older as you know your body shape changes um i probably walk with my job every day um i'm in the car a lot i'm in the van delivering packets and things <coughs> excuse me so it's changed dramatically for me um I'm 55 now. I've, you know, I've been pretty fit all my life. I think, I hope. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of supporters will probably say supporters of some of the teams it was a lazy so and so, but <laughs> that was me just trying to get the guys to play the ball in my feet instead of me running into corners, Scott. You know, so. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, and I think we're seeing sometimes in modern day football the way Lukaku plays and that kind of stuff. The, the players he plays with, it's about all about getting up the park and. When I was at Wraith, Jimmy seen something there where we could play a certain way. And uh, don't get me wrong, you took the dunce, but I had some smashing players around about me. So they were they were they were good times. And and still you still try to play that way when you you know, I play for a charity team, Dukla Pumferson, and it's um it's great seeing some of the guys there, but we're all getting old now, so every time you play against guys in their late thirties, they can run maybe a wee bit further than us, although we pretend that we can keep the ball. Aye. But that's the kind of fitness thing for me. That keeps you. That keeps you. You know, keeps you involved as well. There's nothing better. We're all football guys, and that's yeah. like you say. You know, that's what we want. We still want to be involved. We watch the modern day stuff. For me, um, I will say to you, watching Cove in Queens Park at the weekend, the massive. You know, I was I was in the wee stand there, and I wasn't far from the players. A big, big difference in fitness levels to to when we played, um, they're all beef, they're, the guys are beefed up now more than, than ever, but don't get me wrong, I mean, some guys I played with and against, we were all pretty fit, but just a change in maybe their training style, if you like, no, more weight yeah. training, I mean, I, I never lifted a weight in a football part until Josh Burley came to Air United, that was a big thing in England, you know, they always had a weight day and they were doing weights, that wasn't really in Scotland, we didn't have any like that, so, he can introduce the kind of weight circuits, for us, and that helped me as well to hold defenders off and keep the ball, or you know, knock guys about. But, but I, I kind of done a wee bit in my career, so um, so there's, there's a lot of influences there. And I think you kind of take things for every kind of manager, yeah, and try and keep that going. You know, nah, totally. absolutely. So see the so obviously you mentioned you you do a lot of walking, you know, with your job. So how did you cope, you know, between COVID? Were you still working and stuff? Yeah, yeah. We were never. I've never been off. There's a couple of guys. Uh, we've, we've been open all the time, of course. And with people um, ordering more stuff, it's been busier than ever. Um, it's it's been pretty brutal to be quite honest with you. The last year and a half. Right. Okay. It's not stopped. Usually, just Christmas time's the big thing for us. But um, that's been going all the time. Yeah. People are ordering more stuff online, as you know. No. Um, it's easier. So it's been it's, difficult. It's, it's, very, it's too easy to pick yep. up the phone and go yep. Amazon Prime same day delivery and yep. you know. that's where I am. So there's some days where I can't even get half the stuff in my in my van. <laughs> so um, it's pretty difficult. But um, you know you have to have a goal, I think, and everything. And unfortunately for us, for me, and now it's difficult to get to the football games on a Saturday because of the work situation. Yeah. 
but it tries to get you through. You know, if there's a game on a Sunday or you know or whatever, a midweek game, it gives you something to look forward to, and that's what keeps you going. Nah, totally. And then, so for yourself, you're you're a, you're a big football man. So obviously, with the return of football fans to stadiums, would you say that's got a, a big help for mental health? Um, you know, people socialising and you know just getting out of the house and you know getting to that game on the Saturday or the Sunday. You know, absolutely. I've seen a, I've seen um, I've seen a few cases of that and. What I did miss more than anything, right enough, I think one of the first games I went back to, I've seen that, I've seen a lot of Partick Thistle. I went to a few Partick Thistle games. In fact, I done there was like I think before lockdown, it was a Tuesday evening, and I went to the last game before lockdown was maybe on a Wednesday it got announced. Aye. And then the first game back after lock kind of lockdown, I managed to get into a Partick Thistle game again. And then in pre-season there, they played East Kilbride up at the K Park, EKFC, and uh, I went up there and see just. The Thistle fans, obviously, I know a few of them. The banter was tremendous. Aye. Um, you know, and a, a guy I shout from one of the party Thistle fans to the East Kilbride keeper was, <laughs> the game's only kicked off, you're wasting time already, although there was a few sweary words in there, you know, and I Aye. thought, <laughs> back, you know, and I, I loved that. And it's the, that, that's what it's about. And these guys were so excited to be supporting their team again. And I've managed to see that across the board with different football teams. You know, it's, it makes such a difference to everybody. You know, obviously, we were everybody was watching the games on you know on your TV or on the laptop, etc. But it's not the same, you know, being being yeah. in the in the stand and trying to actually make an impact on the game, you know. Well, that's of course. I mean, I think the, the very first games that we started watching were the German, the German league first, wasn't it? And do you know, I quite enjoyed that, but it was it was eerie. But I quite enjoyed, obviously, some of them are technically better than maybe what we're used to watching, you know. Aye. But but you're right. It's uh, I do think now you're seeing this season that teams are getting influenced with it. Aye. Um, we've seen maybe there's Peter Grant away from the Dunfermline job. How would they have coped maybe if they were still playing behind closed doors? Uh, you know, would that have been different effect? I think the fans now have an effect on the managers and the team's performance more than we realise. Oh, no, totally. Um, as you know, obviously, I'm a big Rangers man. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was the question last season. You know, Rangers played phenomenal football without fans in the stadium. You know, they were coasting every game. But now, with the, you know, the fans back in the stadium, you know, it's, it's the question's there. Can they cope with the, the yeah. pressure? Well, the, the, the Rangers haven't been playing particularly well this season, but they're still four points clear. And, but what I will say was, I, I was with a couple of friends yesterday and we were watching the football. And Celtic missed a, a, a massive chance. You know, they missed the penalty. Whether it was a penalty or no, there's a bit debatable. But, but um, they missed a massive chance to put pressure on Rangers and go top of the league for the first time in a while. Now, would the score have been 6-1 to Rangers yesterday? This was the argument we were having. Don't get me wrong, I think Rangers would have won the game. Yeah. But at 1-0, does it put more pressure on Rangers when knowing with the crowd in? Did the Rangers fans start to get maybe their backs up the 42nd minute before they equalise? Yeah. I think the two goals before half-time killed Motherwell. And then they go on and obviously obliterate them. You know, it's a tanking after that, so... Yeah. See, as well, obviously, it could, you know, had Celtic been top of the league, you know, and Motherwell winning, you know, just before half-time, psychological, what a, yep. what a yep. difference that could have been, you know, yep. that Rangers squad. And, and you're right, because... What would have been the difference then if there was no fans in still? Do you know what I mean? It's you know, and fans because fans get restless. You know yourself. 
I always found playing at Ibrooks and playing at Celtic Park against them with, with thousands of people in there, I always found the Rangers fans were more restless. And don't get me wrong, we're talking about Walter Smith, you know, the other day there, and obviously terrible what happened to him and things, and Walter was always very complimentary. I was telling my pals that I didn't win at Highbrooks, you know. I think I got a couple of draws there. Aye. Win, lose, or draw. Walter would say to you after the game, very complimentary, well done today, Biggie, and blah, 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 because I used to love playing against Rangers Celtic, it gave you the opportunity, all your pals were supporters of the clubs and you, you wanted to do well, you know, but it was very complimentary and all that and, and, and things, and, and it was brilliant, but we didn't get many we didn't get many wins, I think, Wraith went there a couple of times, managed to get an equaliser, um, I think Drew with Clyde Bank, but um, no, no very successful, but... Rangers fans, when, when Rangers were, we took a couple of doings there as well. Three or four mil up, Rangers fans want more. And they get, when, 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 they, when they don't push forward and keep the ball, they've not, they want to see more goals. But Celtic's fans seem to have been at Celtic Park. I don't know whether it was because of the stadium at the time. Yeah. You know, it was just when Celtic were building the new stadium, I was going there and they'd be a bit more patient, you know. If they were getting us doing it at half time, three or four mil, they were quite happy with that. But the Rangers fans wanted five, six. No, well, I was I was reading on one of the forums this morning. You know, you know, Rangers won six one, but there was still somebody complaining that uh, <laughs> you know uh, Danny Simpson came on, uh, obviously to centre back for fifteen minutes, whereas Parson sat on the bench. You know, James Tavernier had a phenomenal game. You know, yeah, that's people still yep. happy. Always, you're always going to get an unhappy fan. That's the way it is. I mean, I put on Twitter yesterday, I don't know if you've seen it, um, that was one of the games where you wait to the 90 minutes before you try and criticise somebody, you know, because it wasn't Naughty Mullerwell. It was guys on being for blood. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Give the team a chance. I did say to my friends yesterday that, and maybe a lot of guys will not like this when I say it, but Rangers 2-0 down at the minute for me still look as if they can win the game. I was I, I, I was still fancy them. They win the game, regardless of who it was. Celtic two 0 down. I mean, I'm a Celtic fan. Uh, you know, I, I prefer Celtic, so I can't see Celtic coming back for two 0 down. I, I, I can't. You know, and I just think the other night there as well against Hibs, they absolutely played them off the park in the first half. Aye. And it could have been anything. It could have been five six. Um, but then they go, they get a wee goal, and it's three one. And I'm thinking to myself, see if they score again. It's just the panic stations, isn't it? Aye, no, but, totally. Yeah. Um, see, obviously going on uh, possession stats, you know, Celtic versus Livy on Saturday. Celtic were all over the top of them. You know? um, yeah. But it's obviously converting chances, you know. Yeah, you've got to put the teams away and it doesn't matter. They have, they have to find a way, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not a huge Rog Rogic fan. I'm not a huge Rogic fan. I think if he was, did he get injured and he was playing... Because the game changed when he went off against Hibs. Aye. But against against better teams like Rangers, can Rog Rogic doesn't seem to... You talk about fitness level, obviously tremendously fit, but it's not in his game to track back. The modern-day midfielder, this in the hole, this double six, whatever, this, to me it's a midfielder. So if you lose the ball, you look at other midfielders like maybe Davis at Rangers and McGregor at Celtic, Aye. they get back and go... You know, they'll, they'll track back and they'll... Tackle guys or gather foul away. And um, for me, Big Rogic getting injured might have unlocked a Livingston door earlier. Yeah. Because that's the type of player he is. And that's what you've got to do against teams that sit 5 5. 
you know, five along the back, five in front, they just go, come on. And the fair play to Livingston, they got the point. Nah, and I was saying to my pal, it's more or less similar to, you know, the game Celtic against uh, Barcelona. And Celtic only had 11% of the ball. And yep. Barca had 91%, but Celtic won 2-1 with their two shots, you know. Yep, but as old managers used to say to me, goals change games, goals win you games. It's not about how much, how many corners you've got. I mean, Craig Brown's a great, is, is, you know, stats, stats, he loved the stats. He would, uh, you know, we get 17 corners, I get, but you, you've lost the game, Craig. You know, you've lost the game. That, 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 that doesn't, I don't buy that. I just, don't get me wrong, we all want to watch entertaining football. We all want to see your team playing really well. But see, sometimes in the Premier League when you're in there, and I've been there, it's all about maybe just getting the goal, you know. Meadowbank Thistle years and years ago, that's the old Livingston. Meadowbank Thistle were a team that they they would work on corners and free kicks. Yeah, and if and they were in, in Division 1 in the Championship, and they probably, we never really gave them a tanking, you know. But they would maybe win the odd goal 1-0 to be a corner or a free kick. That was that was the way they were. That was all they had. I mean, they they, they didn't have the same quality of player but what they could do was grind games out right. and it was Terry Christie that was our manager I think it was Terry Christie that was a manager and uh, he was like that he wasn't you know go forward let's play it was it was win win nil right. and um, they, they were they were great at that and that's what you have to do if you're sitting mid table you're looking below you you don't want to be going to the bottom three just get the result that's the most important thing but up the top end the better teams want to see exciting football um, and I think that was the case at Aberdeen under under um, Derek and, and Tony. I think the fans have played a certain way for a number of years and the fans get a wee bit fed up with it. And, you know, but Stephen Glass has picked his Selkin out a whole a wee bit in the last three aye, games. Aye, aye. Some results. So it shows you how football can change. It shows you how it can change. Totally. And then, so when you were on the training pitch, what was your favourite exercise to do, you know, a bodyweight exercise? Or right, well, okay. Well, I was actually, believe it or not, again, the bleep test, I was actually good at that. Right, okay. I don't know if it was any day with my longer stride. I could just get my toe there before the the, the sound went off, you know? Aye. Um, so I was right up, I was right up there um, doing that. And I quite enjoyed doing that. So how often would you do that? Is it like once a it week? Would probably, it wouldn't yeah, it would be once a month. We would never do it every week. Um, and it all depended as well. And don't forget in the days, when, when, well, in the days, you sound like an old pensioner, but it, it depended on the weather and the facilities you had, the training facilities. Aye. The test was usually done. Don't forget, there wasn't a lot of astro-grass parks then or whatever, you know, at the 3G parks. We were on the grass park, and if it was pouring rain, you couldn't do a lot of fitness stuff. It would just be five-a-sides or, you know, small-sided games. I used to enjoy that as well. The small sided games were great, you know, up a league, down a league, you know, if you get beat, you moved in the way and you were playing against the reserves. And by the way, in the days the tackles flew in, believe me, the tackles flew in. So because you were wanting to play in the team on a Saturday, no, that was a big thing. So um, if you injured one of the guys that was in your position, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And then, so say you turned up to training and you were given the worst exercise, what would that be? The worst exercise for me would be. The, we kind of done a, we used to do the, I don't know if you know, it was a, a, a Swedish run came, something from Sweden introduced the Swedish runs. So I think it was three five minute runs. Aye, that's right. It was like full pelt. <laughs> so, no for me, absolutely. 
I didn't mind the twelve-minute slog. You know, I didn't mind that. Aye, aye. Uh, I, I, I can remember, can remember being at Motherwell and um, running Strathclyde Park. That was a twenty. I think I'd done it in about twenty-four, twenty-three and a half. I think the Arnett, Paul McGrill and Phil O'Donnell were twenty-one and a half, and they guys were that, that size in front of me. You know, they were about a mile in front. You know, and there's nothing more demoralising knowing that you've still got. You're seven minutes behind them, you know, five minutes behind them, you know. Nice. You've got to pick up the pace. So that that would be my worst nightmare. <laughs> and then, so if I could say to you, what's the best compliment you've had within fitness or football? What would that be? Oh, best compliment? Probably Walter Smith. Managers acknowledging how how well you've done in a game. But I don't know whether sometimes they were just saying that because they gave us an absolute <laughs> thanking. But but the biggest compliment, probably biggest compliment, was Richard Goff at Ibrox when he played really well against Rangers again, um, and we get beat three two. It was actually with Falkirk. I had a nightmare at Falkirk. I snapped my patella tendon and my cruciate, so I was out for about a year and a half. But I actually went there feeling I just got a move to Falkirk, and I knew there was something from Ray Throwers. I knew there was something no right with my knee, so I took a couple of injections and things and tried to play on me and it was really affecting me and I shouldn't have um, so that really affected my time there I couldn't have, I just there was something wrong with me and I had a horrendous time horrendous time there um, but we went and played um, I came back and we went and played Rangers at Ibrox and we, we, believe it or not we'd, we'd just been relegated so the pressure was off and we could beat 3-2 I'll never forget it but we played really well Derek Ferguson was tremendous for Falkirk that day absolutely brilliant um, I played particularly well. I think I think I played well anyway. But um, Richard Goff came up to my dad in the in the players' lounge and went, "When's your son going to stop knocking our our centre backs about?" You know. And then Andy Gorham said the same thing. So my dad was like, oh, "That's brilliant." You know. <laughs> and again, it would have been better if we'd won three two instead of getting beat three two. You oh, know. Right. So so it's good to good to hear fellow professionals giving you a compliment on how well you're doing. But there's nothing better than getting a compliment off maybe. The guys that you play with at the time. Yeah. Um, there was a time at Wraith, maybe we were struggling a wee bit because the, the season that we won the league and we won the cup, we didn't start particularly well. But I was managing to get the odd goal. We we're right. grinding out one nils, one nils, and you know, a couple of guys went, if it wasn't for Ali, we would be struggling big time. And so you like that kind of thing, you know. Right. And then the other guys step up to the plate, you know, Colin Cameron, Stevie Crawford, Jason Deard, Gordon Diel, all these guys all started banging in the goals. So, there was a good group of boys there that could get the result for you. And I think there's nothing better than that when your own players are complimentary how you're playing. Right, so let's talk about Ali's uh, bad habits within football. Did you have any? Bad habits? Well, probably the bad habit I had was, well, don't forget, I, I was, I, I was um, when I was going to Clyde Bank, I was um, working at the time, I was an apprentice uh, panel beater, that's what I'd done. Uh, my mate got me a job down in Cambridge Lang, so I'd walk from Cambridge Lang to, to Brickton Cross, and go and see my gran. So it was beans and toast before I get the train. And that was, that was the, you know, that was probably the eating habits. I don't know if you're going to ask me that, but it was beans and toast, chicken with beans. Aye. And you probably only learn that, only learn that stuff when you go for a pre-season meal, wherever you're travelling. Now, if Clyde Bank were going to play Dundee and you were in the squad, away you went. But we were laughing about it the other week there with Davey Irons. And Davey Irons was saying, do you remember when Jack Steedman was the chairman and the owner? He Clyde Bank in the days, and he would say to you, 
at the pre-match meal at some hotel somewhere. If you're going to play in Dear St Johnston, you get a pre-match meal. Uh, so I would go. I would. I would go like fish and beans. And Jack would come up and say, "You can have chips for that." That's when you knew you weren't playing. <laughs> <laughs> so the guys that get chips for their lunch, you know, they weren't playing. So that was probably the only time when you kind of learn that that's what football should be. You know, they kind of stuff to keep you fit and things. And but probably my bad habits in that time was, and I'm no, I'm not saying everybody was the same, but it was a drinking culture. They'll get away from that. When I was growing up, when I was coming home, my fa- my pals were, you know, in, in East Kilbride, the pubs were open. It was um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday. And, it, the, the, and the club scene was amazing. It was brilliant. I mean, the 80s, you probably listen to 80s music. There's no rubbish. There's some good stuff in there. But all the pubs were open and there was a great vibe. There was a good atmosphere. So don't get me wrong. I, 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 if I went out on a Tuesday to meet my pals, I would have drink. A Thursday, I would maybe have a couple of pints after training. Friday didn't drink, but Saturday and Sunday, I had a few beers. Aye. So, you know, even even if I had a game on a Tuesday, I would have a few beers on a Sunday, which sometimes I shouldn't have done that, you know. Aye. I should have maybe taken care. I always remember Wally Miller saying in a podcast or on the radio, rest is more important than training. Uh, and, and it's true. Aye. You know, you've got to recover. And maybe at times I didn't give my body enough time to recover. So that was probably... I just didn't want to miss anything. My pals were out. <laughs> uh, but I would say now, if I was playing for a top club now or in the Premier League with somebody now, the, the same kind of clubs I played with, and earning a bit more money, and with the fitness and the, the, the stuff that they get now, guys looking after them, um, I would probably, you know, being going out of the weekend, I'd be giving it a good three, four years and trying to get as high as I can and earn as much money I can for my family. Nah, I think that's the most important thing. So... Within your football journey, your fitness journey, what's the scariest thing that you can remember? Scariest in my journey? Aye. A few things. Um, you've got a, what, 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 well, a couple of, apart from flying into um, the Faroe Islands with Aith Rovers and the worst airport landing I've ever had in my life, the guys, the seats that were there all flew forward. I thought we were going to crash. There was a look of fear in everybody's eyes. That was scary. Um, but also when you, you hear that there's a club interested in you I went down to Sheffield United left Albion Rovers went down myself travelled down didn't know a person walking into a dressing room Brian Dean Tony Agan all these guys that have played that they have went for seven and a half million quid and all that are sitting there and trying to welcome you in but you also know that they know they're doing to try and get their position off them Aye. that can be pretty daunting Um and going in and meeting the manager and and then having to play that trial couple of games. Aye. That's that's scary. That's scary. Also with Cardiff, me and uh, big pal of mine, Kenny Brannigan, went down there years and years and years ago. But they trained on, on uh, it was one of the first Astro grasses, Scott Wright. It was like playing in, a, playing in your kitchen. It was terrible. My ankle, I went over my ankle. The first training session, then we played it. They played for Cardiff uh, against um, Wrexham, I think it was in the reserve game. So I, I was half injured, so I knew the deal wasn't get done. I couldn't train in that anyway, so that was a bit of a wasted journey. Although my regret in that game was I won the penalty and I should have taken the penalty because if I did, I might have got a deal done there. But I look at Cardiff now, so you know at the time they weren't as big as what they were. 
Uh, look at them now, so they're a big club now. So a couple of regrets, a couple of things there that you think, but a couple of scary moments as well. We just having you've got to have the bottle to yeah. try and progress, and you've got to give it one shot because you only get one shot at it sometimes. You've got to go for it. No, exactly. So many, many youngsters out there have got to go for it. They've they've got to grit the teeth and just go. You know what? What's the worst that can happen? No, and then so when you were on the training pitch, what was your pet hate? You know that. You know, was, was it stuff that coaches done or other players done? Um, oh, I just oh, even they're in the dress, dressing room as well. Oh, that's, that's, I mean, we're, we're complete difference. Air United was a brilliant club for me. Um, as was Albion Rovers. We won the league at Albion Rovers. We were the worst team in Scotland, won the league. When we went out, 19s went out. You know, the whole squad went out. Aye. Air United was the same. We didn't win anything, but we had a good group of guys. Um, mother was not great for me. A good move, but not great. Didn't play enough. We Tam for uh, we Tam uh, McLean. A wee bit of a bully to me, I suppose. Maybe criticised me when he didn't need to. Should have maybe encouraged me more, and I would have, you know, I would have tried harder for him. Yeah. Um, I didn't get many games there, and then obviously moved to Reith, where again the camaraderie was tremendous, as I said to you. So. A wee, a wee bit of regret about things that didn't work out at a football club and then when you go to other places, the camaraderie you get, because I'm, I'm a firm believer in if you've got a good dressing room and you can achieve anything, you know. Um, but uh, some of the training things we've done and things were was unbelievable, you know. Some of the things I, I hated. I actually used to get a bad feeling in my stomach. That Motorola stand at, at the time at Motherwell, nice. seeing that in the distance. Brad McKinnon used to pick me up and I used to take him. And uh, we, you know, because I knew I was just going to get get a bit of stick off the manager. And I didn't want to be. I didn't want that. I mean, there's a lot of things. Managers, um, you have. It's difficult now, isn't it? Look at the managers now. You've got to be a social worker to manage different players. Would I would I have liked to be in that situation? Well, of course I would. But there's so many things that you can't do and can't say now to players. I mean, we used to get a boot up the backside, basically. I've had managers asking me, come on, let's go for, for a fight. You couldn't yeah. say that. Absolutely. Aye. It's brilliant. You know, because at the heat of the moment, um, a couple of times, you've, you've got each other with the throat, you know. Aye. You can't do that now. No. So, do, would I say I miss, I'd like to play in modern day football? Of course I would, because I'd like to know, I was saying this to, to Tam McManus um, yesterday, actually, I said to Tam, that, can you imagine us playing now, like, how it would be interesting to see Scott how fit and what your body shape would be like Aye. I mean I showed my daughter some videos of me scoring goals and things a way back and she went oh you're awfully thin but I wasn't thin I was I was just that was, that was me Aye. but now although I do believe that the football strip helps these days as I said to you watching Cove in Queen's Park the strips are a lot tighter than they used to be when I played <laughs> to fit the body shape so maybe Maybe they just look that beefed up, but um, but I, I know they are because when you look at them, they're all strong, you know. Aye. Maybe not great, maybe not as good um, football ability wise, but definitely stronger. So, no, just I don't know whether I would like to be in that situation where you're faced with something that you've said to somebody and you've you've maybe stepped out of line. You need to take a step back. Yeah, I think that goes on quite a lot at the at the minute, you know. I believe it does. So see the so obviously you've played a, a lot of football over the years, so. What's the one player that you would say has been the best, you know, you've maybe played with? Played with? Or against? 
I was lucky enough to play against, well, David Cooper's the best player I've ever played with. Um, no, no contest. That's it. It's, it was a pleasure to, didn't play many games with him, man, but being in his company and just listening to him and watching him was incredible. Um, a lot of guys, you know, that played at Motherwell at the time, influenced by him, no doubt. He was some player. Um, brilliant. And just a, a joy to... There was a training session once down at... Uh, we used to Swiddycroft doing it. We used to train. And we were doing crossing and finishing. And we did a Vendy with a right foot. I, I can't mind whether the guys... The manager gave it... Guys, you can either go up the road or somebody can stay and do some crossing and finishing. So I stayed and done crossing and finishing. But most of the guys, the right winger or whatever, the boys that played on the right-hand side had left. So he says, I'm not getting MD. Tom McLean says, I'm not getting MD at the right-hand side. Davey says, I'll just go at the right-hand side and put them in the outside of my left foot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he crossed them for the left and for the right. And it was like a joy. It was just brilliant, you know. Um, uh, amazing. And also, the guys you play against, I mean, the biggest doing I probably had off a, a centre-back was Big Elliot at Celtic when he came up. Um, Big Paul Elliot gave me a tank. And my first game for Air United, I was only a week back my holidays, so I hadn't trained and they played them in the Skull Cup, it was Cubs League Cup at Celtic Park. And um, I didn't get a look in, man. It just dominated me. And and I thought to myself, I'm going to have to get fit here to compete at this level, but, you know. Um, so that was a doing that I got off of him. As for playing against, you know, John Pierre Papan, and we played Bayern Munich with Wraith, and some of the players in that team were incredible. Some of the journeys, some of the, you know, some of the players he played pre season. Um, I always remember down the air, there was a big centre-forward play for, we played um, Chelsea, and Kerry Dixon was a big centre-forward, a big, strong, strong as an ox guy, you know, just a big centre, and he came off the park and shook hands and things, and I remember him saying, that was a good workout, and I was absolutely knackered, you know, and, it, you know, it was just a, it was a game, it was a good workout, you know, and I thought again, I'm a man fit. Bring <laughs> me, me, I'm knackered, you know. Going to go up the road and go to my bed, and these guys were just different class, you know. So there's so many, there's so many. Um, actually, the guys in my work actually told me to put out a team, um, guys that I'd played with, and, um, and I put the team out, and it's some team, so I uh, played with and against. I was fortunate enough, as I said to you at the start, um, I was up at Aberdeen and I managed to get Steve Archibald's box. Aberdeen when he moved to Spurs Aye. and so I got all his training kit and his trainers and his boots and things and it, it, it was brilliant you know um, and I, I remember at Air United years later um, you know if you're going for 13 year old you can't sign with him because you had to be 14 at the time to 23 so 10 years 10 year journey and I played with Steve Archibald that year he came up and played two games for his under George Burley so it was me and him up front and I told him the story and he was like, that's brilliant, that's, that's brilliant. So, it's great, you know, it's, it's, it's great to play with these guys and, and, and some of them are heroes really, aren't they, you know, so, um, he's a, he was a, he's a, what a phenomenal player he was, so, played with loads and loads of guys, but a lot of guys go under the microscope a wee bit, just good professionals, Yeah. guys that play the game and, um, they'll just get through and maybe play like big Brian Martin at Motherwell, you know, the amount of games he played for Motherwell and, Kravokopic came to Fiorentina United to, to Motherwell and he changed Brian Martin's game completely. It wasn't a case of heading the ball and just kicking up the park. It was 
get the ball down and play. And I didn't think Big Brian had that in him, I'll tell you, he did. Brilliant. Brilliant big player. So there's a lot of guys like that that you get friendly with. Yeah. Graham Mitchell at Hibs. You know, guys, Brian Hamilton and guys like that. Derek Ferguson was brilliant to play with. Absolutely brilliant. Really, really good player. We argued with my pals, who's as good as Barry. I think he was, but they say no. But Barry, Barry was in a team that had superstars in it. He still captained them, so... Aye. You know, that, that, that's maybe a bit, but don't forget, I mean, Soonis, had, Soonis was playing Derek at the time when he first came up. Aye. Um, no, so there's a wee argument saying I love all that stuff, you know. Aye. But no, I've played, me, I've played me some football players, absolutely brilliant, it's been a pleasure. It's good to have football debates, sir. Love it. The, the, by the way, that's that's where you're right, because you were talking earlier on there about the fans being back in at games. It's great to go for a pint again, isn't it, maybe after the game, and, you know, you... Because I go down to my local and there's guys at Clyde, go to watch Clyde, go to watch Partick Thistle, go to watch Hibs, and you've whatever game I've been to. And you have a wee debate and it's good to find out what's happening, who, who you know, who scored and where, and then you get into a wee friendly bit of banter, argument or whatever. <laughs> that that wasn't happening through COVID. No, not at all. So so it's that's that for me that's the positive. That's a it's a social aspect, isn't it? You know. And as you said, mental health, absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent. So, let's talk about your experience of winning the second division with Albion Rovers. How, how was that? That was, we just, we started winning games. <laughs> we, didn't stop, we didn't stop winning games. Um, Big David Provey, next Rangers, fullback, um, was the manager. Tommy Gemmell signed me. So there you go, so it's all these guys, you think the guys are managers, you know, Tommy Gemmell, then David Proven, Celtic and Rangers. Um, and David took, took us on and I think then played part-time football you have to keep part-time guys interested so the training was decent yeah Hibs legend Joe Baker was David Proven's assistant so there's another guy that took me aside and told me what I was doing wrong or what I could do to improve my game yeah so you listen to these guys I don't think there's enough today I don't think there's enough guys that um, respect or know the guys that are listening to or go and check them out and find out what they're done in football I think Modern day players, you might disagree. I think they're more opinionated now than what they were no, when I was young. We totally, we totally respected the managers and my coaches, you know. And I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying maybe listen to them more because you can't beat somebody that's been there and done it, taking you aside and you know telling you what you need to do to improve your game. So we just started winning games. Aloha were being rivals that year. Aloha were a decent team. I think they'd come down for the league above, and we want to get back up. But in their days, it was just the top two. Champions and the runners up, and the runners up went up. There wasn't any playoff. They went up. So we turned through until we got to about March, and we just, you know, we were we were going out every Saturday. It was every after the game, we won. The whole team were out, and that was brilliant. So we knew we were going to win the league. And funnily enough, we clinched it at uh, Clifton Hill against Dumbarton. There's a wee story there about Dumbarton. Dumbarton actually turned up with their home strip, the yellow. Right. So we were going to win the league, we were yellow. So they wanted us to change. And to be fair to Big Davy and the chairman at the time, no, we we wanted to win the league with our home strip. It's, you know, we're not changing. So we gave them our reserve strip, the white. Right. So we actually beat our reserves to win the league. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> that's a cracker. By the way, that's a good trivia one. You know, anybody you ask anybody a trivia, who won the league against the reserves, whatever. But it was, it was Dumbarton. But um, 
they had all strip on. So you see some forties in the crest, the Albion Rovers is in the two. Uh, Jim Chapman scored and I scored. Uh, we beat him 2-0. Uh, I think I scored first, actually. He scored the second. And that was um, for a wee club who had been in the doldrums for so long. To win, that was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, I'll never forget it. It was brilliant. Some great characters in there as well. And not a lot of guys went on and and, and, and kind of went, certainly not as far as I went. And, 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 you know, although Stevie Cadden was playing that day, his two, two boys are doing really well. The Cadden boys are doing really well, so... But apart from that, um, guys just kind of played at that level, although I, I pushed on a wee bit. I was lucky enough to push on. There was a, I was probably lucky because being a kind of target man, centre forward, six feet three, there was a real need for teams to have that at the time. Right. And I think it's been missing for a while, but I think it's coming back again. Look oh, at Big Dykes, how well Dykes is doing the new. Yeah, right. um, the guys doing it Burnley are tremendous. B- tremendous. Lukaku, obviously, different league. Amazing. Um, so I think there's a lot of it coming back, and it's good to see. I, I, I love, you know, I love a ball getting played into midfield back, a nice wee diagonal to the winger. He takes his winger on, he crosses it, and the big set of four comes in by. What's wrong with that? Nothing. By the way, how do Rangers score their goals, most of their goals? They're two, two wide men. Exactly. So get the ball in the box. Aye. Aye. And if the was playing the new, he'd have about 300 goals a season, wouldn't he? Aye. <laughs> so the. How, how would you compare, uh, you know, going to Finland to play compared to playing in Scotland? That was a big thing for me because at the time my son was just starting school, so I actually missed him going to school. But I had to go and do it because I'd just come back from a knee injury, as I said to you. Um, and I was trying to find my feet again. I was trying to get in there, so Tampere contacted me um, and I went over. And they played Ulves. And uh, it was local derby, so it was a good, good crowd. There was three and a half, four thousand there at the, the, the stadium. And um, I scored an unbelievable goal. I mean, just un- unbelievable. Left foot volley for 25 yards, it was. Aye. And the, the guy says, we need you to come back. We want you to come back. So they offered me, at the time, I was out of work. I was basically out of work. Um, and I went, okay. So I went over for, I think it was about three, three and a half months, four months. I mean, as long as that. It was just... Um, in between the kind of season, the early season runs a wee bit different for yours. Yeah, it was getting me the short window. And the good thing was Kevin Thomas came over as well and played the same team, Hearts, ex-Hearts. So a couple of guys got injured and I went back to centre-back and played at the back over there and I found that quite easy, the, the, the formation style of things. And what they'd done was over there, there was a lot of Russian influence. So everybody got behind the ball. They didn't go and press high. There wasn't this high press. What they have... It opened my eyes, actually. I'd never seen it before. They would actually let you come into their half before they pressed you. Because their idea was, I think it was blocking it used to do at all like blocking. I think their idea was, the more bodies, there's less space. So you can win the ball back quicker. Aye. So if you were a centre-back, when I went back to centre-back, I had the ball at the time. Nobody pressed me. <laughs> so it was pretty easy, you know. So I thought, ah, this is good. So I managed to score a few goals over there. Uh, the eating was fantastic. The restaurants, it was off fish-based stuff, um, you know, we got our food and everything, we, we got, we got our, the, only, the only problem was me and Kevin get put on the Cumulus Hotel um, for, I reckon, about four or five weeks, and there was a dancing in a, a casino at the bottom of it, so they had to, had to move us out of there. <laughs> <laughs> they were costing the club more money than they thought, so they had to move us out of there and get us to a 
and he, he gave us a car and he moved us on, you know. And uh, that was some laugh. But uh, the training was good as well. It's good, good training facilities. Yeah. Um, and we went to Finpan and uh, in Helsinki right. and beat them and 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 get promoted. So there was a wee, obviously a wee clause in your contract to earn money to come home and all that stuff. But don't get me wrong, at times it was lonely. Because um, Kevin's girlfriend came over, I was there, saw so they were there, but <clears throat> for company and things, but pretty lonely. Um, but with some laughs, great training, uh, opened my eyes to what the other thing was, good football players. Yeah. I mean, that was the same team I went to. You know, remember, Scott, but remember tremendous clip of Davy Cooper against Tampere, the team in the yellow strips at Ibrox. Right. And he, he actually takes on the whole team, they can't get the ball off him. Well, that was the team I signed for years later. Because I remind them all of that. The guy, some guys remember that. There's a guy called Mika Yuntinen. Mika Yuntinen was the coach. Could be a bit of a bit of an ass if I can say that. But he played for he played for um, Oldham at the time we were in the Premiership. You know, and he back over to Sweden and took over his team. So he was a decent player. Um, so there was good players coming through, and it was just good to see that side. Yeah, a beautiful place, Tampere. Really nice place, maybe. You know, the, the second biggest place outside Helsinki. But to go to Helsinki and beat Finpa, who were owned obviously by the airlines and things, I don't even think they're, I, don't, I think they're extinct now. I think they've been out of the game. Um, that maybe <laughs> contributed to them getting out of the game as they're not getting promoted to the top flight. Yeah. But it was great to win that and uh, obviously get promoted with that team. And it gave me the opportunity to come home, fit, uh, and sign. And, 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 and I signed for, uh, I think I signed for Sterling Albion when I come back there. Um, full time, yeah, I went full time with Sterling Albion, who fantastic. They offered me the same money as I was getting in Finland, and I said to John Fallon, "I wish he'd come in for me before I went over there." And I just ended up the same goal, you know. Aye. It was a good experience, mate. Really, really good. Aye. So you obviously mentioned that you know it was a, a lonely time, you know, being being across there. Um, your son was just going to school. You mm-hmm. mentioned, but I think you know for a lot of footballers back then it would have probably been a harder decision than it is now because of social media and, you know, technology. Because yep. now you can contact your family members, you know, when you... Well, you, you, you've done your homework there, haven't you? Aye. Big time, because there was a, the, only, the only way I could contact my wife was there was a phone outside a pub, two streets away, and I had to go down there and phone my wife for, for this, and it was heartbreaking because we didn't have mobile phones, I didn't have a mobile phone. You know, you're right. By the way, we get moved out to this place away out in the sticks um, when we get moved out to the hotel and Dallas was on. We watched Dallas. Dallas, you know, it was <laughs> we watched Dallas again and things like that. You know, Night Rider and all that. That was what the telly was. I'm not kidding. He went, oh God, what's happening here? We're living in the, we're going back in the past. Uh-huh. And you're right, there was nothing. There, there was, the other side of that was, I'd never seen so many coffee shops and people on bikes. People just went about in bikes. You know, people were fit. The health side of things were brilliant. There's a university there. But coffee shops and a great social scene. And uh, that was the thing during the day. It was at night. At night was a lonely time. Because you weren't training, you weren't doing in the afternoon. So it was pretty, pretty boring, to be quite honest. Nah. And then, so let's talk about your double season with Rafe Rovers. So that was 94, 95. So yeah. how, was, how was that experience? Obviously, you know... Winning the league, and then you know you went on went on to a great 
Cup run, you know, the League Cup, you won that as well. But obviously, the amount of games you've played that season as well. Well, any football will tell you that when you're winning and you get midweek games, you'd rather have that than training. I'd, ra- I'd always rather play. Um, so if it was Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, that was the way it was. I've got to laugh at some of the guys nowadays, how fit they are and the money that they're on. They're tired. We were never tired. We're never tired. You're never tired. You look forward to the games. As I said to you earlier, we um, we didn't start particularly well that season. We'd been relegated. We were in, in the championship of the first division. And um, we didn't start particularly well. We were managing to scrape through. We were sitting kind of mid-table. And then we went up to Ross County in the first round, beating 5-0. I got a hat-trick. Um, that kind of boosted his own a wee bit. And we kind of found, if, 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 you, if you like, it was kind of... The league games were a kind of... And shouldn't be. They were a distraction to the cup for us. Because we were... You know, the next game, like maybe... Um, I think it was Kilmarnock or somebody like that. And we, Colin Cameron got a hat-trick. So, you know, that was, where, that was where focus was on that. And I say to you every day, it's like when you're playing cup games, you look forward to it, but you just get through and then you go, well, who's next? And then you get through and you go, well, by the way, we're in, we're in the quarter-finals here. Aye. So it was all that kind of stuff, you know. Although the league forum wasn't too good. But I remember, I remember um, going down to Clyde Bank and we scraped a 2-1 or 1-0. Played really well that night. Um, I managed to chase a long ball down the left-hand side. No like me. And uh, squared it across for Stevie Crawford. And he, he got us the win. And I was just, I think that was leading up to the quarter-final or the semi-final. And that was the turning point for us. That was a difficult venue to go to, didn't it, We managed to win, and then we started to pick up in the league. And uh, after, well, got through the, the quarter-finals against St. Johnson, and then the semi against Airdrie, where we get our goalkeeper sent off, and young Brian Potter came on and saved the, saved the winning penalty for Alan Lawrence. I managed to score then as well, scored a goal. Scored against St. Johnson, so I was, I was in good form in the cup. Um, although my league form, my league form didn't dip, just the goal scoring because everybody else was contribute, contributing to the goals, you know. So um, we started to hit this run, and then obviously going to the final. Because don't forget, you want to play, you, you don't want left out the team. So again, it was, um, and I'd no, I'd no qualms, I'd no pressure. I thought I'm playing. You know, I'm banging in these goals. Aye. I'm playing here. Um, and then they name the team. And then you get a wee bit of the butterfly. You know, you have the meeting and the team gets called out and you're in it. You go, right, that's it. I need to, I need to do well here. Aye, totally. The game was, yeah, the game was um, going through to the final against Celtic. We were all massive underdogs. Um, Talked about that again the other day there. We were 86 minutes gone. Daz, Jason Deere cuts in for the, the right and I'm like, give me the ball. <laughs> We're all shouting for the ball. We've four minutes to go. And he hits this shot, you know. He's never scored for there in his life on his left juke. He hits this shot. But I went, you know, I didn't even see Daz running in. And that big Marshall spills it. And it bounces up perfectly for Gordon Dale. And he, he, Daz said he put it in his nose. <laughs> but I was too busy shouting at Jason Dare because he never gave me the ball. <laughs> but then this euphoria, we back in the game. So we managed to see that out. A lot of people forget, Scott, seeing the extra time, we absolutely pumped Celtic. They couldn't, they couldn't deal with us. 
Um, we didn't create great chances, but they couldn't get the ball. And the young guys, the fitness was tremendous. I mean, there's some good players in the Celtic team, but we had young guys with no fear. And obviously it went to penalty kicks and the rest is history, you know. Um, winning that was just sheer euphoria. It was, this will never be done again. They'll never do it again. That, that'll never happen, especially against. I know, I know some smaller teams have won cups in recent years, but there's no beat Rangers and Celtic at Hamden, or, or, or Ibrox, you know. No. So, it was a big thing for us in uh, party time. I was out for about two or three weeks, after four weeks maybe, a month after that. I dragged myself into the ground. Ibrox is, you probably know, it's this surface where it's pretty solid with grass and tote and Rangers actually give us, give us the long studs, believe it or not. They say, it's going to help yourself with the long studs in the boot room. They were obviously wanting us to beat Celtic as well. And Celtic being my team, big Sean Dennis and that, we were like, what have we got a day here? Davies Signal, we're all Celtic fans. But the Rangers fans in the team, Daz and DL and all that, they were, they were wanting to beat them, you know, so don't get me wrong, you're wanting to win the cup. But Rangers helped us out the game as the long studs. So that kind of helped, but it was kind of slippy. So see after extra time, after penalties, and I don't know whether it was just like, your adrenaline gets you through. I probably carried a wee, I was a wee injury running about the pubis area. My stomach, the boat in my stomach. Aye. And I was out for about four weeks. It took its toll. Terrible agony with it. And it took me a wee while to get back into it again. But then we went on that run, as you say, in the league. And um, I actually sent off against them Fairman four games to go. And that suspended me for the last three games. Right. So I had to watch the touchline, the guys getting us over the line. Because them Fairman they were, like, were rivals, you know. They were the ones that, we were trying to catch them in the league. They were above us. And we overtook them. But they'd still had a chance. And I get sent off. Um, I think I elbowed somebody in the face or something. I can't mind. I, I, I went up for a ball. And I think it was ridiculous, the decision anyway. Aye. Um, and I had to watch for the side, you know, and it was agony, man. And in the last day, we needed a point against Hamilton Aki's at Fur Hill. And we drew 0 0. So that was nerve wracking. That was nerve wracking. And there's a wee story on that, actually. We, uh, that was the day of the Frankie de Tory seven. They won the seven races. Right. So my pal Paul McKenzie had played with Albion Rovers. We won the league at Albion Rovers together. He was a Hamilton Aki's player. He put him on to win every race. So he won 12 grand. <laughs> so he ended up coming out with us that night to celebrate winning the league. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Good stuff, yo. So um, that was that was brilliant. It was great for a first division club to do a double. You always say you won the cup, but we done the double, which was... Um, was, was no mean feat, you know, it was brilliant. No, fantastic. And then, you've obviously, we touched on earlier, uh, you know, managers that, you know, you didn't have the best times with, etc. But if you could pick a manager to work under again, who would that be? Were you in the pub with me yesterday? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> By the way, I went in to see, um, I went up, my son was um, just, we were still in the pram, and me and my wife Susan went up to, to sign. So, when we won the cup and won the league, I was out of contract. So you're thinking, here, I've got, I've got him with the palm in my hand here, you know. I can ask for whatever I want. So I'll we see Jimmy Nicol. And it starts part, as you know, the, the, the tunnel's stood at the corner flag. Aye. So if you walk right up to the other side, it takes you out at the, the, the way end and it takes you to a park called Beverage Park where we used to train. So my wife, I say to my wife, I'll you go up there and take him to the park and walk around the park and I'll get you in about half an hour. But by the time it takes. So I went to see Jimmy Nicol. And I says to Jimmy, There's, that's what I want. And Jimmy says to him, that's what I can give you. 
I says, I'm not accepting that. He says, Dick Campbell's, uh, Bert Payton's been on the phone, him and Dick Campbell with Bermfernland, or rivals. He wants to talk to you. I says, well, you tell Bert and Dick that I'll talk to them. I actually caught my wife before she got out of the stadium. That's how quick I was in addressing them. So my dreams were, I'm thinking I'm going in there to get an extra 50 quid a week here. No five grand a week, 50 quid. <laughs> That's the difference now, isn't it? Aye. My pals were all killing herself laughing. What's what you looking for? About 50 quid. Right? 50 quid a week. Maybe more than that, but amazing how it's evolved now. Aye. No, but, exactly. but the chairman came to me and the chairman got me, got me a deal and I was quite happy to stay. Jimmy, wasn't he? Jimmy went in and asked the chairman for over 100 grand to get somebody in when I wasn't signing. So I think the chairman saved a bit of dough. We just get me to sign for a £70 a week or whatever it was, extra. Um, instead of paying out 100 grand. But, um, but the guy mentioned in there, who's doing phenomenally well in and I've got total admiration for Dick Campbell. I'd love to have played under Dick Campbell. I had him on the coaching courses a couple of times, a bit of banter with him. I meet him still now, and I meet him at games, and he's a laugh man. He's just... You know, if you could, if you look at where our growth are doing at the minute, they've got this great team spirit. Part time, does Dick go out there and say we're going to play this? You're number double number six, number eight. No, he just lets them train and just puts the team out and gives them a kick up the backside and gives them a pat in the back. Aye. I think that's old school, still there. I think, I think he's doing the business with them, and they're flying, absolutely flying. I mean, I've, I've never known in a growth team. They're up the third in the championship or something like that, you know? I mean, so Dick Campbell would probably be, just for the banter, just for a laugh. Aye. <laughs> and I think I was his cup of tea, I think he liked me, because I know he hated me playing against him. Aye. And that just showed when Bert Payton and him were ranting me at Dunfermline then. And I sometimes wonder what would have happened if I'd went. Probably Wraith fans would never have spoke to me again right enough, but... <laughs> um, no, he worked under him would have been would have been for me. I know you're maybe expecting somebody higher than that there, some top manager, but no, the, the, you know him. I think he's I think he's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant, great entertainment. Ah, good, Ali. And then so you, you obviously you work as well, but are you still involved with football just now? Or? I, I used to I used to do my my um, I used to report on the games for the newspapers. Um, that fell away because you know, you know the situation with the newspapers there. They're gone now. It's um, the, the guys that used to do the freelance work are all away. It's, it's guys that are employed with the papers now that are doing the games. They're not covering the games as much, the lower leagues. So I done that and I was obviously involved at Albion Rovers with Kevin, um, with Kevin Harper. And, um, I was also at the Lowland League with Bride and BSC. We won a couple of things. I took the 20s there with Graham Mullen and with Craig Young. So not involved in anything at the minute. Um, it's made me look and think that sometimes I want to be involved. Sometimes I look, as I said to you, kind of be bothered with a modern day young guy coming up. Um, I'll give you a wee indication of that quickly. It was a, a young guy at East Kilbride and I told him my journey, how my journey was when I was his age. 18, 17, 18, going to Clyde Bank. I'd leave the house at half seven in the morning, get him at 12 o'clock at night. In between, I'd walk it for Rutherglen to Brigton, get the train, then get another train to Clyde Bank and then I had to do the same coming home. For £15 a week. Aye. That's what I was getting. And he said to me, what did you do that for? Wow. <laughs> you know, and I went, because I wanted to be a professional football player. Aye. So six, 650, 670 games later, I, I achieved my goal. But you're at East Coast, under 20s. And he couldn't quite get that. 
because some of the boys think they've made it at that level. He's got Brian he's got Brian Carey getting into the league, so that's what they are, you know. So I think the modern day stuff. I don't, as I say to you, they don't show you enough respect. They don't know what it's like to be in that professional environment. I totally get. I only think they are. Um, so that that would maybe make me think that younger guys are. I can't really. I, I don't mind being involved with the, the senior guys now more than the younger guys. Although I've enjoyed working with younger guys, trying to help them along. They've got to. They've got to go and get it themselves. They can't. They've got to want it. And you've got to I work hard at it. Can't rely on you know everybody you know um, helping. You know, like saying right, you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, babying them on the way. You know, yeah, dropping off, picking up, dropping off, right. picking up, you know, I was going on trains and travelling, I mean, by the way, when I say that to you, I, I didn't have a phone to phone my mum and dad and let them know where I was, Aye. they just trusted me to go and then see you at night, I would come in at night and they would be in their bed, ask Aye. me in, and that was the, last, the only contact them twice that day in the morning and at night, Aye. so it's totally different now, and, um, totally. in this big bad world that we live in, you know, You've still got to go and achieve your goals and go and, and go for it. Uh, that's the most important thing. Nah, totally, Ali. Before we round up, have, have you got any questions for myself? Your fitness journey. What's your? What's your? Do you get up in the morning? Do you? What's your favourite? Do you run? Do you do weights? Ah, do you? Well, what do you call it? So basically, I work full time. I work thirty-five hours a week, and then I do uh, fitness classes as well. So my routine is all other place. To be right. completely honest. Yeah, um, but I've got a wee fitness plan that I follow uh, for weights and uh, you know core exercises. So effectively, I would do, I would make sure I try and fit in my weights, you know, three times a week, and then I, I do spin classes as well. So that's maybe two yeah. or three cardio sessions a week. Right. Um, but no, it's quite intense, you know, because some days, like you says, I'm I'm up at maybe half four some days, and that's me, you know, getting him. Until back at eleven, so you know. So do you do you do, you do some do you do a class or do you do a fitness thing in the morning before you go to work? Uh, well, effectively, I would do I would do classes early morning. So effectively, if I was a back shift, start at half one, I would be up at the door and in in a class for half six, you know, and then say I have a couple of clients as well. So yeah, you know, busy schedule, you know, um, and it's trying to fit everything in. And get the balance. I think a lot of people forget that. Do you think then, with what you're doing, you get the best out of your your fitness in the morning before you go to work oh, oh, and after? Absolutely, because <clears throat> excuse me, because I would say that training first thing in the morning, get get it up, get it done before you actually wake up. <laughs> you know, Aye. yeah, that, yep. old, that old saying. You know, do it before the brain wakes up. Um, because I've seen myself some days if I finish an early shift at say two o'clock, you know, it's try to get it in your head off. I've still got to mentally, it's more mental. Aye, it's a mental battle. Aye, absolutely. See, that's where I am at the minute. Then, when I come in, I've maybe been soaked or whatever, and I'm just tired. And then sometimes I look and I say, you know what, I can maybe go and do my, my wife, my wife Susan, my daughter Amy, go, they go to spin classes and they really enjoy it. Aye. Um, and I'm thinking, will I go to that? What, do I need that? Would that be better for me because I'm doing a lot of walking and I'm pounding? Would the spin be better for me where I'm no pounding as much? Because what I've found is, Scott, over the years is you lose muscle mass yeah. if you're not training. So I used to have massive thighs. I used to have big thighs, you know, big football 
legs. Aye. And it was it was more to keep I built my, my my body up from there to keep centre backs off me who would be challenging me and be strong. Aye. But I've kind of lost it a wee bit now, but although I'm fit, I've lost the mass. Aye. Strong legs and he does the squats, he his legs are massive, right? But it reminded me of me a wee bit when I was young. He's he can't sometimes he's, he can't eat his derms on. Aye. But um, but that's what his journey is. So, did you think the spin would help me to get that bit of mass back in the thighs? Uh, no, totally, absolutely. Yep. So, yep. if you can, if you can get a couple of spin classes in a week, you know, it's yep. obviously it's going to help your cardiovascular system as well. Yeah. Um, but nah, and obviously blow a few cobwebs off and get the mental health, get the thing out your head that's bugging right, you. Because I, th- for myself, you know, if I was, you know. I like doing weights and I, I like a spin yeah. class, right? But, you know, the effects of a spin class, going to a spin class and then, see, when you finish it, you know, you, you feel great because you're like, oh, that was fantastic, you know, yeah. you're energised. Yeah. Um, so, I would definitely go if you can. Well, well, well just like that, or, or, or kind of comparing that to a football training session, that was the best part of the training session when you finish and you get your shower. <laughs> and you've a wee laugh with the guys in the dressing room. Aye. I mean, me and, me and Sean Dennis used to play, you know the game Kirby? You throw Aye. the ball at the curb. But we used to do that in the dressing room. But it was a bench. Right. So me and him would play each other. And they, by the way, he never beat me. I'll just say that anyway. <laughs> but we smashed the light in the windy one day with the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and Martin Harvey ran down went, what? With the, the Irish accent, you know, I'm not going to do that. And we're all sitting there like that. What? We all denied it. The, the, the light was all smashed in the window. So that was your kind of fun time, you know, in the dressing room. That soon get barred. The balls when they left in the dressing room after that. But that that was the that was the thing. So you're in a mental good frame of mind after the, after working out better than travelling up. I mean, travelling up to Kirkcaldy. The car was amazing. It was five is in the car. So I would take my car one week. Peter Harrison would take his car next week. Gordon Dale, Ronnie Coyle. And then other guys joined David Cut with Alec Taylor. Some great players and great Aye. great guys, you know. And it was so funny. So funny. David Kirkwood, I went up for a ball at training one time with David Kirkwood, the ex-Rangers player, and, and he's Fife and Airdrie, good, good, good professional, good player. I went up for a high ball with him at training and elbowed him. Do you know he never gave me a round in the road? <laughs> <laughs> I came out, I came out with my soap bag in that. And I says, where's Kirky? One of the boys says, he's away. <laughs> you take a half, I take a run off of somebody else. So that was it, you know, that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But no, um, it's been great having you on the day, Ali. Magic, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, thank you. Cheers, mate. No problem. Thanks, mate.